for the next two Sundays tonight and for next week. Tonight I want to share with you a message I've called The Highway of Holiness. And the next Sunday I want to take a very practical look at how we can live a life of holiness. Uh, saying to Bronwyn this, today that I think there are a lot of times we use words that we think we're not quite sure we understand what they mean. And I think there's a sense where, you know, we need to get some of the things unpackaged so we say, that makes sense for me. And so tonight we come together to uh, worship the Lord and uh, we want to know God's blessing with us tonight. I just want to paint a word picture tonight and just from Isaiah 35. But I was reading this, this afternoon again. The, it's only 10 verses in this little passage of scripture. But I thought, oh, can I take time to read those first verses? I think I will. I think, Mike, we were talking this morning, weren't we, about we're not quite sure how many sermons we've got left in us. And so... Um, so when we get the opportunity, we make the most of it. So uh, I've got nothing to do tomorrow, so let's have a good time. But I just, I just read this that Isaiah wrote, and it's, it's entitled Hope for Restoration. Even the wilderness will rejoice in those days. The desert will blossom with flowers. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The desert will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel's pastures and the plain of Sharon. Then the Lord will display his glory, the splendour of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. That might be a verse sometimes about October we need. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those who are afraid, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the death. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will shout and sings, sing. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and the streams will water the desert. The springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish in the desert where jackals once lived. You know, God wants to pour out blessings. And God wants to pour out a blessing. He wants to anoint you and fill your heart afresh tonight. And I just read that and I think, that God gets excited about that. I, I wonder if you have any concept of how much God wants to bless your life. I wonder, are we growing through life or are we simply going through life? 
we get a choice. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. How did you get to church tonight? Who's going to tell me? How did you get to church? Drove. You drove here. You're driving home? Why don't we lay hands and pray for him right now? <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, most of us, well, I was thinking when I said this, most of us here, we drove. But we could have got to church in a myriad of ways. We could have driven, we could have uh, walked, we could have done a whole lot of things. But it doesn't really matter. The thing is that we're here. And I wonder what we expect when we get to church. You know, do we expect God to pour out his spirit upon us? In life, many of us, we travel many different paths in our lives. And I, and I think that uh, we could be talking about the occupations that are in this room tonight and we'd be astounded. Yeah, it's amazing what we are together. Aren't you glad we don't live in a cookie-cutter world where everybody is stamped and we go through and that's how we've got to come out? Every one of us is given a challenge as to how we should live. And yet as believers, there is a level of commonality in the way in which we are to walk in this life. God willing, we're all on the same journey. We know the Lord we are growing in the Lord. We are continuing, continuing to move on with the Lord. And God goes before us and opens the doors and we continue to walk the road. That's where we're at, isn't it? And yet I'm sure that um, we have heard people make this comment. There are many roads that lead to God. Ever heard that comment? Well, it's not entirely true. In fact, it's not true at all. Because that's not what the Bible says in any way, shape or form. Because the Bible says, Jesus said over 2,000 years ago, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's pretty hard to find another way. I remember someone said to me one time when I shared that with them, and they said, that's a bit bigoted, isn't it, to say that? I said, well, you can afford to be bigoted when you're right. <laughs> there is no other way. There is only one way, and we cannot ever preach a message that says there are other ways. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, come by me. And we must be people who are willing to stand true to that word today. That's the only message that will count. But today I want to take a look at a word picture from Isaiah 35. The last three verses. These are spoken by Isaiah some um, 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he said, a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. 
It will only it will be only for those who work walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Friends, that's the road we walk on. Wow, isn't that exciting? The highway that Isaiah wrote about is a highway that makes its way through the wilderness. And as I read the scriptures, the wilderness is a picture of the devastation caused by our sin. We don't have to go far in this world to realise there are a lot of people who are lost and wandering in the wilderness today and a lot of them don't even know they're lost. A lot of them have got no direction, no hope, and they don't know where they're going or what they are becoming. And I wonder if, if that is not the reason because that we are living in a country today that has lost its godly principles and as a result, every day we can hear of anarchy and chaos because now there are no values anymore and we wonder why we're in a mess. You know, I love to go and preach with our Tongan churches. And you know the thing I love about our Tongan churches, you can go in there and preach and we could be, you could be preaching in a church that we had 50 years ago. There is just such a, an openness and an honesty that is there. They haven't been infiltrated by all the other rubbish that's in the world today. The Bible says a picture of devastation. It is a total wasteland in contrast to the Garden of Eden. You know, when you read about the Garden of Eden, man, that would have been a great place to live. No weeds. <laughs> Everything good. Plenty of food. It was just a great place to be. God created a garden, and because of the disobedience of man, we're no longer in the garden. And our life is full of consequences that are there because of the sin of man, the wilderness. It's a place where nothing grows. The Garden of Eden, we read in the scripture, was watered by four rivers. And we read of the wilderness as thirsty ground. The garden had trees bearing fruit of every kind. The wilderness had no food. The garden was a place of life. The wilderness was a place of death. Why on earth then would man choose the wilderness over the presence of God? You know, it's, it's beyond comprehension that we have people today who would rather be lost in their sin rather than to know the peace and the joy that God can bring into their life. I often wonder why people today 
aren't lining up to want to hear of the message of Jesus Christ. And I wonder at times if it's not because we are not willing to talk about it enough. You know, in all my years of ministry, I've never had a person say to me, I don't want to hear about Jesus. And yet I think sometimes there's a fear within us that stops us talking about the greatest message we could ever give. But the garden, a place of life, and we get to choose. When we chose to accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour, upon our faith and confession and repentance of sin, we appropriated all that God had for us. God had a plan for us, all spelt out, and he said, this is a gift I give you, would you like it? Why wouldn't I like it? Because it's a gift of life, a gift of hope. I guess sometimes, you know, when you think about our journey in life, I, I love watching some of the, um, the good shows on TV. I love as time goes by. Anybody else like time goes by? I like Lionel. He's a good bloke. And... Uh, and I remember this one time, what's his wife's name? Doesn't really matter anyway. But anyway, they were, he was taken around on a date and they decided to take a shortcut. And they went through all this rubbish and the dirt and the dust and the water. And then they opened, they pushed through this last bit of grass and there was their hotel. I think sometimes the journey we've had in life is that we have been pushing through all the stuff and the door opens and there it is the kingdom of God waiting for us. And Jesus simply says, do you want it? Come get it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Come get it. I, I think of the wilderness as a challenging place because I see the wilderness as a place of testing and temptation and trials. I think in the wilderness, we see Israel were disciplined by God, that 40 years wandering in the wasteland. In the wilderness, we see Jesus was tempted by the devil. In the wilderness, John the Baptist came preaching, preparing the way of the Lord. I wonder, not, I wonder what your wilderness would look like. If you look back over your life, were there ever times or are there ever times where it's been extremely tough? Where you're not living but you're surviving. I wonder, was there ever a wilderness experience? I guess sometimes the wilderness is the place where every prop is kicked away from us. And all we can simply do is just hang on to God. Just say, God, you've all I've got. I've just got to hang on to you. The wilderness is where our support's gone and we've got nothing left for us to hang on to God. Do I know he's faithful? Yes, I do. 
because I have found and proved that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And as I look back over my life, there has never been a time where God has not been faithful. You know, it might, been, it might have been tough at times, but God has always been there for me. I've learned I can trust him. And yet it's always easier to trust him in the good times. When things are tough, much harder. I wonder how hard it has been for you at times to walk through the wilderness. How tough's it been? Because we're not sure, are we, what the end result will be. But we do know that today I start with him. I talk about the, the holy highway. It's a highway that runs from Bethlehem's cradle to the Calvary's cross. You know, I'm preaching here on the Sunday morning, the 22nd. And sometimes we, and I'm going to be talking about the fact that sometimes we come to Christmas and it's just a great time. I always say there's nothing harmful about a baby, but that's a lie too, isn't it? You know, they can be dangerous little critters. But, but I think sometimes we get to a reality of the fact that we need to know that there's no way that I can come to Christmas and separate the Christ of Christmas with the Christ of Easter. We, we walk, we're worshipping the same God. And I want to know that as we come to learn about the Christ in the cradle, I want to know that this is the same Christ who died on the cross for me and for my sins. But Isaiah wrote these words, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. I'm just going to go through three things. Number one, it's a holy way because it is made up of holy people. There's going to be a great bunch of people there. Just like, it's going to be like church, isn't it? Everybody loves each other. Everybody thinks, wow, we're just together. Isn't this fantastic? A place of holy people. It's a place prepared for us. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his blood. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians says, since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. You know, God needs to continue to do a work in us to keep us in that place where we honour him. It's so easy to wander, isn't it? We're going to talk about that more next week. And the three descriptions that is used here for those walking on the highway. Those who are walking on the highway are three, are three things. Those who walk in God's ways, those who are redeemed, and those who have been ransomed. Christ paid the price for our sin. We've been bought with the price, so we are invited to walk the road. Great place to be. But then he says, there are people also who won't be walking on it. Evil-minded people and fools. 
I don't think Jesus, uh, I don't think Isaiah was talking about a state of mind. He was talking about people who have chosen to not want to know about God, who have chosen to be separated from him. David wrote in Psalm 53, only fools will say in their heart there is no God. Only fools. Boy, a lot of fools live in Australia today, don't they? Because there is a God and we worship him. So here's the bottom line. If you're a believer, then you're walking on the highway. And if you're not a believer, you're not there. The road to heaven is not a freeway, it's a toll road. You know that? It's not a, toll, it's not a freeway, it's a toll road. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the toll. He paid the price. And he invites you and he invited me to say, will you come and join me on the road? Walk with me on this highway to holiness, the highway to heaven. That's a free invitation by our Lord Jesus Christ to be a holy people. He hasn't finished with us yet. I need to recognise that the highway to holiness, it is a safe way. Verse 9, Isaiah 35 says, Lions will not walk or lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. There is this road where we walk in the centre of this road and we know we are in a place of safety. It's the only place that is safe. That's a great comfort. But then I compared that verse with 1, 1 Peter 5, 8, which, which comes with a warning. And the warning was this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, Seeking who he may devour. You know, the, the thing that I was thinking about here is that God invites us to walk on this highway to holiness. And he says, I want you to walk the centre of the road because that's the safest place. Don't go to the right or to the left, walk the centre of the road. A question for you. Why is it so hard to stay continually walking in the middle of the road? What do you reckon? Dwayne? They're distractions. Why else would it be hard to keep walking in the middle of the road? What's that? Traffic. Yep. But see, there's so many things that can sidetrack us because we live in a world where Peter said the, we live in a world where the devil's like a roaring lion walking around seeking who he can devour. And he has a job description set which says, get them. 
mess them up. And if I can get them sidetracked from their walk with God, and if I can get them wandering over here, he says, I've got control of them. The reason it is so hard to continue to walk in the middle of the road are there are distractions. And there is that thing within us which is called that bent to sinning. Isn't it amazing how the devil has an amazing ability to put within you a desire to walk off the road? You know, that's what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us lay aside those things which lead us astray. Lay aside that sin that so easily entangles. And I guess if we sat down and spent time talking about our own lives, and I ask you to discuss this topic what is the sin in your life that entangles you? It's interesting, I did this with a group one time and I got complete silence. I'm not going to own up to that. But I wonder what it is in your life, at what point is it or where is it in your life that the devil seems to be able to get a little grip into you and begins to tangle you up. I think for most of us who are here, I don't think many of us are involved in murder or robberies. I hope not, unless you're tired of it. No, 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 no. You know, don't, we don't get called up in rubbish. But you know, one of the things that I'm convinced of at times is the issues that we struggle more with in our Christian life are attitudinal sins. It's not physically things. Things like jealousy or pride or, you know, you know, stuff that just seems to get in and you realise there is a, an attitude with that person or an attitude with this person and, you know, that does more to damage the body than anything else. And so as Christians, we need to constantly look at the fact that we are so easily distracted and we need God to continually call us back to walk on that place of holiness and not wander to the left or not wander to the right. There is only one place of safety and that is, as the scripture says, to walk in the centre of the road. That's my challenge for you tonight. I'm thankful that I have a wife who does my PowerPoints for me and then I bring them over here and I give them to Ross and God knows what they come out like now. But I wanted to do a, a visual for you that uh, hopefully will make sense as we go through. Because here's the wilderness. We've got a wil there's a wilderness. And, and you'll find that there's a road through the wilderness and over there to the right is a lion. That's the journey of life we are on. And here is this man. He's walking up 
middle of the road, right smack dab in the middle. He is safe from the lion because he cannot touch him because he's in the middle of the road. So I asked the question, why on earth then would we as Christians want to play by the edge of the road? Go to the next one, Rossi, what we've got now. Aha, there he is. I don't know whether you ever feel like that, but there are people who will wander off the road and think, this is okay. I know that's where God wants me, but I just walked over here just to check this little bit out and I never got hit by a bolt of lightning. Nothing dropped on me from a great height. So then I get back on the road and I think, she's right. And you know the problem I see with us as people? You might have only wandered over here to the edge of the road just that one time. But then you get back here and the old devil will say to you, that wasn't so bad, was it? And what am I going to find next? Let's go back and check it out again. Let's go back and check it out again. You might do that, and I don't know you're doing it. And your pastor doesn't know you do it. But you know something? You do. You know where you should be, and you're over here. I always say, well, I'll go this way. I, in all my years of pastoring, I think I'll check with Mike, see if you agree with me on this. I have never yet in my whole 40 years or so of ministry, I've never had anybody ever come to me and say to me, Pastor Lionel, I want to let you know I'm going to start backsliding today. Anybody say that to you, Mike? Never happens, does it? But you know something? We're walking here. And then we walked over here. And that's the start of backsliding, of sliding away from God. And you know the problem? Pride then keeps us there. Pride keeps us there. Because you don't want to come to me as your pastor and say, Pastor Lionel, I just want to tell you that I have really stuffed it up this week. It's Sunday, and so I'll put on my Sunday face and I come to church and, boy, you're looking good. But when you're deep down in you know that you have backslidden over here and then pride keeps you there because you think, oh, now, what do I do? I don't know whether you know what I'm talking about, but I think we've all been there. One of the things I often say to people, you know the... The most miserable people I find in this world are backslidden Christians. And the reason I say they're so miserable is because they know where they should be in the middle of the road. And when they're in the middle of the road, they're thinking about what it could be like over here. 
And when they're over here, they feel guilty because they should be over here. And so there's this constant conflict going in within them. Where do I walk? What will I become? So here he is. He wandered off and he had a good time off the side of the road, isn't it? Why did the people play by the edge? Down in the ditch just for a minute. Oh, we're not going to stay there long. But you know that when you do, that passion and that fire in your heart has been diminished. And that little bit of joy in the Lord has been robbed. And you know that there's a struggle going on within. And as I said often, pride keeps us there. It's so much easier that we can spend more time then in a spiritual battle just trying to keep our life functioning. But if we have wandered off or if we... And this is talking more to our, you know, to Christians. You know, there needs to be a genuine desire in our hearts to say, Lord, I want to come back to walk closely with you. I'm going to be talking about that next week and about why we tend to wander off. But we want you to be people who come and say, Lord, I am going to trust you totally with my life. Nothing is going to drag me aside. And I think that's one of the things that I often say to people, we need mentors. You need a, a mentor who can look at you and talk to you and ask you, how's it with your soul today? What's God doing in your heart right now? Is there anything you need to change in your life? One of the things I often say at this point, a mentor doesn't need to be a best friend because the best friend will never kick you in the butt when you should be. But you need a mentor who's going to say, okay, what is really happening in your life today? We all need that. We all need it. And if you haven't got one, pray that God would give you one. If you haven't got one, Joe Thompson, she'll look after you. You know, she got nothing else to do, so might as well have to do that. But you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I, I wonder, I wonder what your life would be like tonight if you knew that somebody was going to come to you tomorrow and look you in the eye and say, Dwayne, what's God done in your life this week? And when that happens, there's something in you, but, but Dwayne's perfect anyway, but if there's something in his life that he was tempted to do wrong, he doesn't know when I'm going to ring him. And he doesn't want to have to confess that he stuffed it up this week. And I think we need somebody who will hold us accountable for our walk with the Lord. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk with you more about that. But this is what it's like. You know, they say, well, okay, how am I going to know the guidelines? Well, here's the guidelines. We've got this path. We've got all the guidelines we need written down in here. Nothing else do you need. You know, it's amazing, isn't it, how many times we can open the Word of God 
and God speak to us through his pages. You might just read it and you think, wow, never seen that before. God has a word for us. I remember when uh, I was on the, when we were back on the farm and uh, I was in that process of going through my battle with God about whether I should go to ministry or not because I'm a pig farmer, let's face it, you know, and, and how can a pig farmer be a preacher? You know, and I, I was having this dialogue with God and I remember God saying, hang on, I've called you, go do it. I said, I don't want to do it. I'll be a good pig farmer and I'll give more money. You know, we, I remember we had a team come through and they prayed for every church that they would send one person from the church to train for ministry. And I thought, great prayer. Lord, send Neil Baker. He's the one. God didn't listen proper. But you, you hear what I'm saying? And I remember I was thinking, I don't want to do this because I knew that that was going to happen. I'd have to study. And I hadn't studied for 30 years. And if I'm going to be honest, I didn't study before that either. So it was, it was going to be a new experience. And I remember I was reading the Bible. It's good to read the Bible like that. And I came to my favourite verse in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you who will also do it. And I look, wow. And you know what my prayer that day was? Okay, God... I'll go, but from now on, I'm your problem. I'll go, you do it. And I look back and I think, okay, God, you showed the way. And by the way, that was, I'm going to talk about this next week as well. That was probably the point in my life where I surrendered my will to God. Had I been a Christian years? Yes, I had. But I came to that point where it was either all of God or me. And that's where I had to come to that place where I surrendered my will to God. We're going to talk about that next week. You know the difference I found after I came to that position? Did I still have issues, had to work through in my life? Absolutely. But you know the thing that blessed me after that? I realised that if I'm going to get into a scrap with God over any issue... I might as well give up now because I ain't going to win. So why go through all the hassles when if I just surrender, it makes it a lot easier for all of us? And that's the challenge we want to bring for you for next week. But, you know, we're all challenged to walk this highway. God has given us an incredible thing called free will. We get a choice to make. And I have got no idea what's happening in your life right now. But I want to say this to you, that if you are struggling over the issue of whether you can trust God with your life, you won't have peace until you do. You know, God has a bad habit. Whereas if you are battling with him, and you come back to God and say, okay, God, let me pray. And God said, but hang on, what about this bit over here? I want that bit first. Does God ever take you back there? 
You know, I said, oh, look, I want to do this for you, Lord. And God said, but hang on, let's talk about this bit first. I want you first, and then we'll talk about this bit. I wonder how willing we are to surrender our will to God and be the holy people God wants us to be. And so God says, walk the centre of the road. It doesn't matter how nice the road might be, if it's not leading the right direction, we're in trouble. You know, we want to be walking on the road that leads to heaven. You want, I believe, to know the peace of God that passes all understanding, and you will know that when you are fully surrendered to your Lord. One of the biggest issues we all face is to take our hands off and let God have control. You know, I think it's like, remember those old, the old cars we had? You know, used to have the, remember, who had bench seats in their car? They were good, they were good. Oh, they were so much more helpful for romance, weren't they? You know, you, I, I feel for you young, younger people, you have been deprived of the joy of living. But we, we won't talk about that either. But, you know, you could, you could be following a car like it was a bench seat and you could look at this car and you could be looking at the car, either there's one big fat head in there or there are two people close together. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, they were good days, weren't they? I remember one time, one lady that had been married a few years and she was sitting over this side and she said to her husband, do you remember those days we sat so close together? And he said, yes, I haven't moved. I don't know what happened after that, but I won't go there. But you, you know what I'm saying? I wonder how easy we have moved away from that closeness to God and wonder why we're having struggles. God wants us to be a holy people and he wants us to come right back into his very presence. And so just to finish, God says there's a place for us all. I think about our lives and there's so many battles we, we struggle through in our lives. We think about our life and I was thinking about this again the other day. The first nine months... You're in your mother's womb. And we look back to that. And then we look at possibly the, the 70 years or plus that we have after birth. Then after that is death. As a believer, heaven is our eternity. Heaven is our home. But you know, the thing that we come to then is realise that if you know someone or there are people that you care about who don't know the Lord, if death comes, there's still eternity. And if they don't know the Lord, their eternity will be forever without the Lord. I think there are times that we don't consider enough the awfulness of hell. I, I think there's almost a sense where we don't really believe 
that God is going to do what his word says is going to happen. We've got a choice to make in that 70 years and in the light of eternity, that 70 years is not very long, is it? But that's our opportunity to get it right. I remember, and we get to choose that here. I remember one of our pastors, David Milliken. Some of you might know David, probably know you mightn't. But David said one time when they went to um, the Statue of Liberty and they got on the, they got on the bus on the, on the, at the Statue of Liberty and at the bottom of the statue, they got a choice. They could either walk the outside a lot of steps up to the right up to the top or they could take the inner steps and go halfway up. When they got halfway up, they could look and see the others through the window. But they could not go any further. But they made the choice at the bottom where they were going to be. And I want to say today that when we talk about walking on that holy, that highway of holiness, we get to make the choice today. Not about tomorrow. It's not about the next day. It's not about one day I will. But the choice there is today, will I surrender my life totally to God? Will I hear his word? And will I walk in the centre of the road and be the person that God wants me to be? That, my friends, is the challenge for you to take away tonight because your eternity depends on it. Your eternity depends on it. And so there's the question. Are you walking in the middle of the road? Tonight, are you the person God wants you to be or is there an issue that you need to put on the altar and say, God, for me to be the person you want me to be, I've got some surrendering to do. Lord, make me the person you want me to be today. That's your challenge. I can only give you the opportunity, but folk, you get the choice to say, Lord, I surrender my will to you. Bron, come and lead us. You know, and if, if that's a challenge for you, please grab it. I remember when I was preaching on um, surrender one time, and I asked my church, what does surrender conjure up in your mind? And I had this retired Second World War veteran who had been on the Burma Railway. And Ron was his name, Ron McIntyre. And Ron said to me something that I've never, ever forgotten. He said, Lionel, surrender to me means when we surrendered to the Japs on that occasion, we lost all our rights, we lost all our privileges, we went where we were told, we did what we were ordered to, we had no rights. When we surrender to God, do we really give up all our rights? You know, we sometimes make a mistake. We, have you ever heard anybody in church talk about commitment? Wrong word. I don't use the word commitment. I use the word surrender. Because you know what commitment is? I can make a commitment to something, but if I don't like it, I can withdraw. Because I'm in control. But if I surrender, I take my hands off completely, 
It's all about you, God. I am now yours and I give you my rights and I give you my privileges. Everything I am, Lord, is about you. And so tonight, as you are here, are you really surrendered to your God? That's a challenge I want you to take from here tonight. Thanks, Paul.